When I Open podcast may feature language, mature themes, and violence. This is your trigger warning. Hello, you are listening to When I Open, a true crime podcast where I talk about crimes ranging from urban legends to serial killers and how they are portrayed in the media. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Tate's Guide to the Perfect Crime. Hey everyone, and welcome back to When I Open. I'm your host, Tate, and we are still in the month of spooky season, and sorry, this month has been a little bit crazy, but my Scary Tales episodes about um, haunted houses will be coming out in the next week or so. Um, I have, like, a whole day of, like, recording planned for the weekend, um, after my work, and I hope y'all are excited. Um, just a just a reminder that I still have the, um, Spiky Lake Sloop pins that are available. You can find them, um, on my Instagram, um, that is at podcast, or you can DM me on, um, on TikTok at, at whenIOpenPod. And now to the not-so-great part of this. So, today I'm going to be talking about the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. Now, this is a case that a lot of people will most likely know because this is a, this was a very big um, kidnapping. Uh, back in 2002, um, this happened about a year after I was, this happened about a year before, um, before I was born, she was found a couple, she was found, um, a couple months before I was born, actually, um, so I kind of remember this case when I was a little bit, when I was a little bit younger, so, or from when I was younger, so, I'm gonna go over some logistics about the case, um, mostly about, like, the, people who adopted abducted her then specific details from the abduction that i think are crucial um and like how they found her and things like that you know my usual going over case um and then i'm going to be talking about some of the media um so i don't want to say funny story but um i was planning on doing a law and order svu thing about this but my mental health has been not the greatest so i'm going to skip that part I know everybody really likes when I do that, but, um, this case, I do not want to push myself too hard. Everything's, don't, don't get all worried about me, but, um, just for my own mental health, I didn't want to look too far into this, um, uh, how it's deployed to speed on, especially Law and Order SVU. There is a new episode tonight. I did tune into it. It's a pretty good episode. Um, I actually don't like the new guy. I'm not a huge fan of the new guys, um, but I think I'll warm up to them. Um, Carisi and Rollins are still adorable, and I'm so happy that they're together. Um, anyway, so, uh, sorry, I did these notes, um, kind of, kind of funny. I don't even know if my teacher actually listens to this, um, but I did my, um, you'll probably hear papers in the background, I did my notes on the kidnappers and part of the abduction during my forensic science class. I'm taking a forensic science class um, 
and I'm learning about how, like, um, about, like, Lacard's, um, Lacard's exchange, um, thing that's, like, a suspect will bring something to the scene and, or take something to the scene and leave something at the scene, um, something like that. I had a quiz today, I should probably remember that, but, um, now I feel like I have kind of a better understanding of, like, sorry, of how these perpetrators did their crimes. Anyway, um, yeah, let's, let's get on with the case. Brian David Mitchell was born on October 18th, 1953. He was from a Mormon family. His mother was a teacher and his father was a social worker. Um, his father was abusive and he showed young Brian explicit images and drove him to unfamiliar parts of the city and made him find his way home. This was sort of when Brian's father showing him like how to be independent, which was abusive. Um, uh, at age 16, Brian was sent to a juvenile hall for exposing himself to a child. Then at 19, he married 16-year-old Karen. I'm, I'm not joking about this last name minor and had two children with her i wrote in my notes ew um and then he divorced karen or karen divorced him and then he went on and married another woman debbie and reportedly abused her her three-year-old son and her daughter um after the divorce with debbie he married um wanda elaine barzi who had six children and had a troubled past with her daughter, and apparent, and according to her daughter, um, her daughter referred to her as a monster, and claimed that, um, that when, like, the daughter was younger, Wanda fed her her pet rabbit for dinner, which is not good, and what the fuck? Um, <clears throat> Brian and Wanda were involved in the, with the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Now, I don't know too much about this i'm not educated on religion very much but from what i've heard in the news i i don't i i have no idea so brian went as emmanuel claiming that he would be he that he was a prophet of god who had prophetic um visions um he was eventually excommunicated from the church as latter-day saints or lds Wanda went by, I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher this name, Hefziba, Hefziba, um, and they would preach in downtown, Tox downtown Salt Lake City. Um, Brian basically showed himself as a vision, as an image of Jesus, dressing in white robes, tunics, and even growing a beard. I wrote in my notes, toxic, because, like... This is, this is giving, um, this relationship is really giving our love as God to a next level. Oh my God, I should do the Ken and Barbie killers, because I have, anyway, um, now we're gonna get more into the, um, to the more sadder part of the story, which is the actual abduction itself. Where are my notes? Okay. Ahem. So, 
in the early hours of June 5th, 2002, um, well, I don't know why my, my notes say Mitch, Michael, but it's not, his name isn't Michael, Brian broke into the Smart house and abducted 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart from the bedroom she shared with her 9-year-old sister, Mary Catherine, who was awake but pretended to be sleeping, as a lot of people do, like, if they, um, I hear this common, this happening commonly with, like, child cases, especially if there's, like, another sibling, the sibling, like, pretends to be asleep, or, like, the parents pretend to be asleep in order to get information, and that actually helped, um, Mary Catherine, she, um, these were some of the reportings that she, um, that she told the police. Um, it's a white man about the height of her brother, Charlie, who was 5'8", about, um, 30 to 40, wearing light-colored clothes and a golf hat. He was actually wearing black, did not have a golf hat, and was 48. And I can actually explain why she thought this. My teacher's about to be really impressed. So, due to this, to, like, the traumatic state of watching your sister get kidnapped from your bedroom, it's gonna, like, clog your memory a lot because you're going through something super traumatic, even as, as even as a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old. Yeah, no, nine-year-old. Um, this is why a lot of, like, eyewitnesses are, like, depending on, the, uh, depending on the eyewitnesses' circumstances, aren't that reliable. So... She said he also had he had dark hair and dark hair on his arms and on the back of his hands. Um. He then said that the man threatened Elizabeth with a knife, which Mary Catherine thought was a gun at the time. And when Elizabeth said "ouch" after stabbing her stubbing her foot on her toe, Mitchell said something that sounded like, "You better be quiet, and it won't hurt you." Uh, she did hear Elizabeth ask why you're doing this and thought the an- though the answer was not clear Mary Catherine thought the answer might be quote for ransom Mitchell was self was soft spoken even polite calm and nicely dressed although Mitchell spoke to Elizabeth quietly Mary Catherine thought Mitchell's voice seemed somehow familiar but she could not pinpoint where or when she heard it that's kind of like um I have this one teacher that sounds exactly like Kenyon from Wine and Crime, and I swear every time I just hear her voice, like, in the hallway, I'm like, what the f- Like, I know, like, it's not her, but, like, it's a really- It's a really weird coincidence. They're not related at all, I don't think. Um, so- Sorry. Uh, Mary Catherine never got a good look at his face. This fact was kept hidden by police during the investigation. Now, that's just... I, I, I can't even explain why they would keep that a... I mean, I guess they... I guess for the prosecution, or for the... I guess, sorry, I guess for the defense, they would be like, oh, She didn't actually see his face. She didn't know it was actually him. That kind of thing. So... <clears throat> Okay, so when she thought of thought Elizabeth and the director are gone, Mary Catherine attempted to go to her parents' bedroom, only only narrowly being avoided seen by Mitchell and Elizabeth, who were outside the bedroom of the family's boys. 
She crept into her bed, back into her bed, where she hid under, hid for an undetermined time, possibly over two hours. Just before 4 a.m., Mary Catherine woke her parents up and told them what had happened. Thinking that she had been dreaming, they did not want to believe her until they saw that the screen window had been cut out with a knife. Yes, that's scary, horrifying, especially if you're, like, on the first floor of a house. Um... On June 6, 2002, Ed and, and Lois, that's actually who I, oh, I wanted, I wanted to name my daughter Lois, this kind of, um, went on television and pleaded for the kidnapper to return their daughter. Um, yeah, um, a massive regional search effort organized by the Laura Recovery Center involved up to 2,000 volunteers a day, such as dogs, as well as dogs and planes. The various websites carried flyers that could be printed or circled via internet. After many days of intensive searching, the community-led search was ended and the efforts were directed to other means of finding Elizabeth. I also know but somebody named Elizabeth, so this is kind of... <clears throat> I feel like I'm... I don't know. I feel like other, other true crime podcasters who are listening to this, maybe, hopefully... Oh, um, hi, I'm looking for a collaboration or trading promos. Hint, hint. I feel like if you're, if you, like, know a victim, like, if you're talking about a victim's name, then you're like, oh my god, I know somebody with the same name as this. It kind of feels like you're talking about them, but, like, you know you're talking about a victim. Anyway, Mary Catherine's observations were a little use, and there was little usable evidence found at the scene, scene such as fingerprints or DNA. Yeah, um, this is most likely because the guy was, like, believed that the guy was a professional. So, the Salt Lake City Police considered Richard Ricky, or Richard Ritchie, a person of interest early into the investigation. Ricky, or Rich, I think it's Ritchie, was a handyman with a history of drug abuse who had worked for the Smarts. He had been jailed on an unrelated parole violation prior. Richie had Richie died of a brain hemorrhage in August 2002. To keep Elizabeth's name in the press, her family used a variety of strategies, including making a website about her abduction and providing home videos. So now we're going to talk about a little bit about the um, about the cap, cap about the captivity. After her kidnapping, Smart was taken by Mitchell into the woods to an in, in, Encampment outside of Salt Lake City, where she was met by Wanda Bars. Bars, according to Smart's testimony, Bars quote, eventually just proceeded to wash my feet and told me to change into my pajamas into a robe of some gamut. And when I refused, she said that if I if I didn't, she would have Brian Mitchell come rip my pajamas off. Um, I put the robe on. He came and performed a ceremony, which was me, me to. Which, which was to marry me to him. Uh, trigger warning for uh, sexual abuse. Um, after that, he proceeded to rape me. Mitchell claimed to be an angel and that he told, told Smart that he was a Davidic king who would emerge in seven years, be stoned by a mob, lie dead in a street for three days, and then rise up and kill the Antichrist. Smart he insisted was many of one first of many virgin brides he planned to kidnap, each of whom would accompany him as he battled the Antichrist. 
Beep smart from smart from smart from escaping. She was shackled to a tree with a metal cage cable, which allowed her limited mobility outside of the tent she accompanied. During her captivity, she was also forced to take on her new name. She chose the name Esther after Esther of the New Testament. Um, Brian David Mitchell also called her. Sh- I'm gonna butcher this. Sheer Gustav It was later revealed that during Coast testimony that Mitchell really raped Smart, sometimes multiple times a day, forced her to look at pornography magazines, and regularly threatened to kill her. He also forced her to drink alcohol and take drugs to lower her resistance, both starved her and fed her garbage. Smart's abuse was... Facilitated with the assistant in bars, who Smart would later refer, refer to as, quote, the most most evil woman she had ever met. Okay, so now we're going to talk about some, um, like, public appearances, um, that, that has happened. I know this is, this happened in, um, in NCIS, sometimes, like, um, and yes, there was this one part where this agent was um, double crossing them, and was working like with the um, was working with the bad guys. So this would happen sometimes. They would go out dressed as like robes and stuff. Um, and uh, and when the police confronted them, Mitchell would just say like, "Yo, this is my daughter," things like that. Um, and so that they were not able to, that the police weren't able to, um, to take off their garments, um, on, um, religious grounds, grounds. Uh, Smart would, like, visit grocery stores and restaurants, but went unnoticed. Um, so, in September 2002, Mitchell and Bars left Salt Lake City with Smart, recalling, relocating to San Diego County, California, where they held Smart in a in ch- encampment in a dry creek bed in Lakeside. Bars and Mitchell relocated with Smart several times to different encampments in San Diego County, often moving sometimes in the middle of the night. On February 12th, sorry. Um, 2003, Mitchell was arrested in El Con for breaking into a church and spent several days in jail over the incident. Now we're going to talk about the, um, the discovery. In October 2002, Smart's sister, Mary Catherine, suddenly realized that the abductor's voice was that of an unemployed man the family knew as Emmanuel, whom the family had hired for work for a day to work on the roof and rake leaves. Police were skeptical because of the short time Emmanuel had worked for the family and the long time that elapsed and the short time that Mary Catherine had heard the abductor's voice. However, the family had a sketch artist draw Emmanuel's face for their descriptions and in February, this drawing was released to the media. It was shown on Larry King Live in America's Most Wanted. Um, the drawing was recognized by relatives of Mitchell who gave police contemporary photographs of him. On March 11th, or sorry, on March 12th, 2003, 
Mitchell was spotted with a woman a girl, and a girl in Sandy, Utah, by two separate couples who had seen photos of Mitchell on the news. The woman was Wanda Barzi, and the girl was Elizabeth Smart, disguised in a gray wig, sunglasses, and veil. Both couples reported their recognition of Mitchell to the Sandy Police Department and had immediately dispatched police officers to the location. Smart, Smart was recognized by officers during the questioning, who then rescued her and arrested Mitchell and Barzi. One month after the discovery of Elizabeth Smart, the state of Utah supersedes the then-existing Rachel Alert with the nationwide Amber Alert Abduction Alert System, in part to conform, conform with recently implicated nationwide procedures. Although the Rachel Alert was super speed, super, superseded, the system had seen, a, had seen a success in the two years of its existence. On March 18, 2003, Mitchell and Barzi are charged with aggravated kidnapping, aggravated sexual assault, and aggravated, aggravated burglary. Then, on August 2003, Elizabeth makes her first appearance after her return. October 27, 2003, Dateline NBC interviews Elizabeth. July 26, 2005, men, Mike, Mitchell declares mental, mentally ing Incompass sorry, mentally incompetent to stand trial. Um then December eighteenth, two thousand six, Mitchell again declared unfit to stand trial. So basically this went on for um a couple um a couple years and then in October two thousand nine, in a court hearing, Elizabeth Smart described Mitchell as smart, articulate, wick evil, wicked, manipulative, sneaky Slimy, selfish, greedy, not spiritual, not religious, not close to God. Okay. If anybody ever describes a like a man to me and they're like, oh, he's slimy, I'm gonna advise you to run away from that man. And then on November 16, 2009, Wanda Barnsley was sentenced to 15 years for her role in the kidnapping. Um Michael was convicted in, or Mitchell was convicted on December 10, 2010, and he is currently still, um, he is currently still in prison, um, and on October 19th, 2008, after serving nine years in prison, 72-year-old Wanda Barzi is released from prison. She will be on parole under federal supervision for five years. Upon release, she is a registered sex offender in the state of Utah. Then, on December 31st, 2018, three months after her release, it is revealed that she is living near a Salt Lake City elementary school. There appears to be no restrictions to how close she can live to a school, although state, Utah state rules disallow her from going on school property. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the, like, media representation. Um, this has a lot of, like, interviews and stuff, but as I've said before, due to my, um, own mental health, I will be avoiding talking about the Law and Order episode based off of it. Um, and thank you again, all y'all, for, um, for understanding. So, as I've said before, October 2003, she had a um 
her, she, her and her parents were interviewed for a special segment of Dateline NBC. Um, and then she was also featured on the Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey show where Oprah, Oprah questioned the smarts about the kidnapping. In July 2006, legal commentator and television personality Nancy Grace interviewed Elizabeth Smart um, to talk about the sex offender registration, but repeatedly asked for her information and her experience. Um, and there has been some literature also. Um, sorry. Um, the Smart family published a book called Bringing Elizabeth Home, and her uncle wrote, co um, authored a book called In Plain Sight, The Startling Truth Behind the Elizabeth Smart Investigation. There were some film depiction as well. Um, the kidnap, there's a 2003 film called The Elizabeth Smart Story, and it's based on bringing Elizabeth home. Um, it was nominated for three Young Artist Awards in 2004. And it first aired on CBS eight, only eight months after Elizabeth was found. So, like, it was, like, pretty fast. And then in 2017, on the 15th anniversary of her abduction, Lifetime aired a made-for-TV film titled I Am Elizabeth Smart, narrated and produced by Smart, which tells the story of her kidnapping from her own perspective. And... Um, also airing in 2017 is Elizabeth Smart auto autobiography from biography, a two-hour telethon or tel telefilm. So yeah, this is a really sad case. Unfortunately, um, I have come across a lot of cases where like young children get kidnapped, just like Elizabeth did. But I'm glad that I'm able to share her story. Because her story does have, um, she does come out alive and not a lot of people, you know, are able to do that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I actually had to record this over a period of a couple of days, so if my voice sounds different, that's because, um, I went to a homecoming tonight as I'm filming this on Friday. Sorry. Oh, I'm gonna go sleep now, but, um... <laughs> Again, thank you so much for listening. Um, the Law and Order SVU will be back next time. I just had to take a little break from it. Um, I still have sloop pins left over. I still have sloop pins. If anybody would be interested, they are completely free just to help spread awareness for or spread the news about the show. You can show your support. Um... Again, I will not be doing stickers until I'm out of pins. Um, and if you, um, contact and sources will be linked in the episode description. Um, that's where you can find all my sources, which is basically just one at this point. Um, and I also have, um, like the Instagram post for this is going to be coming out probably like a day later, probably on Saturday. The episode will the episode is going to air, but most likely the Instagram post not till Saturday, depending on how fast this like loads. Um, but if you want to make further contact with me or follow for more, um, you can follow me um on Instagram at whenIopen.podcast or um Twitter at whenIopenPod, and then on TikTok at whenIopen.
pod and um also you can email me if you would if you have any case suggestions or if you want to get anything um like the pins you can also dm me on instagram and tiktok for that stuff too and and one more thing oh yeah please please follow and subscribe on apple podcast i've been hearing a lot of rumors that this is like really good for like boosting stuff so um if you want to get a free pin you can also you know make um make a comment on apple podcast you can give it five stars and you can also write like a cute like a quick little review of it because that really helps my reach and yeah um so as i'm the day that i'm recording this is the couple days after the zodiac killer i'm gonna talk about it in a couple in, in a little bit but um yeah thank you so much for listening and remember to sleep with one eye open